This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to another Lockdown Live with, uh, with well, you can see him there. It's Mr Guy Whittingham, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Uh, where, where, are you, uh, where are you based right now, Guy? Are you on the south coast? I am, yeah. I'm I'm near Fairham, which is banging between Portsmouth and Southampton. Did you uh, did you get blown over by the wind last night? It wasn't too bad down here, actually. We're quite oh, lucky no. down here. There wasn't there wasn't so much wind down here. I well, had to not now, so anyway. window. <laughs> <laughs> it was bloody awful. Uh, Guy, thank you so much for uh, for coming coming on the show. We wanted to talk to you about uh, about your time with Sheffield Wednesday. Now, obviously, you know we we, we make light of this a lot on the show about how uh, you, you're not a proper Sheffield Wednesday fan unless you supported us in the '90s. Ben knows that because he was uh, he wasn't even a fetus during the '90s. So you know, <laughs> it, it, this show tends to re- revolve around us. Uh, telling him just how good it used to be. Ben's the young one, by the way, guy. Out of all of us, he's the young one. If that wasn't, yeah. if that wasn't obvious. <laughs> didn't want you think it was me, guy. All right. <laughs> Don't know what it was, but my eyes didn't go towards you for some reason. Oh, cheers, mate. I used to like you. <laughs> Now, guy, I, I, you know, you and I, have, I've got a mutual friend in uh, in local radio, and, and and again, thank you so much for uh, for coming and joining us. Uh, what we'll do, we'll go around the room, and then uh, we'll ask you a few questions about your career, about your life, about 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 what you're up to now, and uh, and you know, and are you now going to grow your let your hair go grey like Simon's or not? You know what I mean? So you it know, is. <laughs> we'll see where we go from there. Ben, do you want to kick us off, sir? Uh, yeah, and we'll start right from the beginning. Really, obviously, being in the British Army for six years with it. What just really? What what was that like? Do you feel that that prepared you for what was to come in football? You know, the abuse and what have you that that you got from the terraces <laughs> in the nineties, and even you know, like the dressing room and stuff. Because obviously, a lot different back then to what you might find now. Yeah, look, I think uh, first and foremost, I, I, like most young kids, I wanted to be a footballer. Uh, growing up, kicking the ball at the park, you know, playing football all the all the time I could do. 
getting dragged in by my mum. She worried to death where you were because you're still at the wreck when it's dark and you're still playing football with your mates, although you can't see anything. So always wanted to be a footballer. Never, never got a trial anywhere. Never made it anywhere. Um, and the best next thing I could I could think about for sport was just joining the army. So so that's what I did. I joined the army. Um, and played played lots of sports. Um, but that was restricted to a sports afternoon was a Wednesday afternoon. So um, one of the first sports afternoons I went to um, when I, when I went to my training unit um, in Seamy Borden was um, I, I went to play rugby. It was a Wednesday afternoon, sports afternoon. You get to choose one sport and you go and play it. I went to play rugby and I went down the rugby field and they had too many. So they sent me off to the football field. So that was that was where it where it started really. I, I played all the sports, but um, and probably you know none better than others. Um, but it was it was football that, that I ended up playing. Sorry, that's my dog. It was football that uh, that ended up uh, playing. Um, but it's certainly um, certainly that what you learn in the army around um, you know just being a part of the cog, I suppose, um, discipline, part of a team. Uh, certainly, certainly helped me in my professional career, without a doubt. I don't, I don't know whether I would have made it if I wasn't, if I didn't have the, the start of that army life that I had, because it taught me so much. That's um, really interesting, guys. So, so were you quite? I mean, obviously, everybody talks about Ian Wright, you know, be becoming a pro at like twenty-three. I mean, did you have a similar sort of start then? You, you know, you, you must have had some kind of semblance of a career in the army to then move on to football. You must have come to it quite late compared 24. to what the kids do now. Wow. Yeah, I was I was 24. Yeah, so um, joined the army at 17. Went out to did some trade training over in this country. Uh, then I went out to Germany when I was uh, between 19 and, and 21, um, just over two and a half years out there. Then I then I got posted back to a place called Seamy Borden, which is just north uh, North Hampshire, and um, I was posted there because I was a footballer and they wanted to win the army cup, so they posted a few a few. <laughs> A few in that, that hopefully we'd win the Army Cup and we did. Um, but then I, from that, I played uh, Oxford City, non-league, um, then Haven and Waterlooville, uh, as it's now known, and Yeovil when they were in the uh, in non-league as well. So steadily came up the um, the ladder, I suppose, in non-league. Um, and then when I was at um, when I was at Yeovil, um, Portsmouth showed an interest, and that's and that's when I came out. And I was well, I was I was. Um, I came out in the May and I was 25 in the following November. So yeah, really, really late. Last last chance, really. So there must have been an there must have been a point then when you went from um, from non-league relatively quickly, and then all of a sudden stepping out in front of 40,000 people at Hillsborough. That must have been incredible. Yeah. So I suppose um, so non-league at Yeovil, you were probably getting about 1,500, um, and then sort of six months later, I was playing in front of 14,000 at Portsmouth. And then obviously from there, four years on, I'm playing, you know, 40,000 at Hillsborough and, um, you know, 60-odd at, up at, up at, you know, Man United and Liverpool and places like that. So, yeah, I, th I think, and, 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 and what Ben said about um, the changing room, the banter, that sort of stuff, it, some some of it's not as cruel as you, you got in the army, you know, but that was that was the stuff that kept you going, the, the mickey taking, that that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, did a, I did many a... Um, an exercise at the time, and, and thankfully, I timed it. I timed my army career well, um, so I joined two years after Falklands and left the, uh, two years before the uh, the first Iraqi war. So I think that was pretty good, pretty good timing, really. Um, and never, never went to war. The only exercise that that, that I bared my teeth on was uh, was when I fell cl rock climbing in Gibraltar. 
So I was I was pretty pretty lucky from that point of view in terms of never seeing any active service. Um, but was damn monkeys though. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, but it was you know it, it was it was it was a huge learning curve for me growing as an adult. So joining at seventeen and a half and leaving at twenty four, you know you really had to you really had to build resilience. Um, you know you had to you had to understand how to follow orders whether you wanted to or not. Um, whether they made sense or not. And there's a, there's a few managers that you've done that for in your playing career when you've had to follow orders, not, not exactly agreeing to him. No, I don't want to come back for corners. I don't come back for corners. I want to know you're coming back to my game. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm staying up for corners. Those sort of things. So, yeah. And, and again, the, 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 the Mickey taking in the changing room and um, yeah, all the actions on the pitch, really, you know, wanting to be better than the, player, the man you're playing against, you know, that sort of stuff there, that, that mental resilience, that, uh, that desire to do well, um, you know, all bore all bore fruit from from my time in the army. And I have to say, before that, my family upbringing. I was I was very lucky, brought up in a, in a great family. I was just going to ask there, guy. Did you have the braggiest parents in the world? Because I mean, to have like a soldier as a son, and then go, oh, actually, no, he's not a soldier anymore. He now plays in the Premier League. I don't <laughs> think anyone would speak to my parents if I'd have had that career. They must be so like. That must have just been incredible to be a dad whose kid goes and like becomes like an, a soldier and goes like in the army. All right, just rock climbing in Gibraltar, but I think you downplayed <laughs> it a bit there. And then just goes and transfers to the Premier League like it's nothing. Like that must have just been your family must have just been amazed at that. Well, I think anybody that's got uh, that's got kids and their parents are always proud of their kids no matter what they do, aren't they? Yeah, of course. My my dad. My dad served all his life. Um, you know, he must have worked for about 50 years for the post office. Before that, he was in the RAF. Um, so he was proud of me joining the army, um, you know, apart from the time when I bunked off and came back and I got told I've got to go back straight away during my training. Uh, that wasn't too good. He had to meet me at the train station and say, you, son, you've got to go back. They're not allowing you to come home. So apart from that bit, he was probably quite proud. So yeah, all no, that shit you've just been telling us about discipline and everything <laughs> you've learned... <laughs> You I learned it after that. <laughs> yeah, I learned it after that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a one-off, obviously. Um, so, so, guy, when you when you came into like for a start when you went to Portsmouth, so you you started there a, a professional football team. How did you feel going in the changing room and then playing with lads who never had a proper job before, so to speak? Yeah. And there were lads who come through academies, and obviously at Villa and then at Wednesday, of, of young lads who'd gone through the academy scheme academy system and then become professionals and then obviously you cut your teeth in one of the hardest jobs in the world of, of, of being a, a soldier how, how did that sort of how did you feel how did they sort of feel to you and and how did how was the relationships there well I think first and foremost what you got to do when you when you go into a, a first team change room is stand up for yourself if you don't do that you, you'll get trampled all over mm-hmm. um if the change rooms I was in anyway um, so my first, my first day, and I can remember it, um, at Portsmouth in the changing room, uh, walking in pre-season training, it was John Gregory was the manager. Um, and he, um, he instilled that he wanted people to turn up to train, to train in, come in in shirt and tie, which I would, I would have gone in fancy dress. You know, I was 24, just been, just become a professional footballer. So it didn't bother me whatsoever, but you walk in there and everybody's, you know, Warren Aspinall was in there, Martin Cool, these sort of, uh, you know, quite quite well established pros um and to 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 wear a shirt and tie wasn't a problem to me but all they did was moan 
and I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand people moaning. You just, you just, you're just going to go and play football. What are you moaning at? And then obviously it was all the running, which I was used to anyway. That preseason, the running didn't bother me whatsoever. And because I think because I came in and I was I was fit. I haven't been an army PTI for the last three years of my army career. I was I was really fit. So uh, there was only probably Darren Anderton that was keeping up with me in that preseason. You know, all the hill runs you did. Um, so um, I think people suddenly thought that oh, this, this guy's like he's quite fit. He could he could help us out here. Um, and again, I suppose it's how you how you develop relationships with people. You know, it's, it's like you know, in the army, you've always got getting getting uh, soldiers transferred in and out of your unit, or you join another unit, and you have to make friends quickly. So, um, you know, I suppose I suppose like anybody else, you 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 talk to the people who have got similar lives to you have, got kids, or you know, haven't got kids, or like cars, don't like cars, or whatever it might be. You 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 find a common uh, common place to talk to people, and you get on with those people. I'm going to, uh, just before I hand over to Steve, sorry, Steve, just give me a second there. I uh, I have to ask about John Gregory. Now, I used to work at a, uh, a holiday camp, one of the uh, one of, one of the bigger ones in the UK where we wore rouge jackets. And uh, and John Gregory came to do a, um, to do a, uh, it was like some TV thing where the, these, these kids thought they were going to work it, you know, they thought they were going to be the next pros or something. It was similar to Wayne Rooney's soccer school. And, uh, and John Gregory, I, I don't know if he's ever showed you his 5P trick, but he flicked up a 5P, caught it in his top pocket, and then undid his trousers, pulled out his uh, chap, and then pulled out a 5P from his, um, what's the PG-13 way of saying this, uh, his, his flap of skin. The question is, did he do that? Like, it was it's the same John Gregory. I, I, yeah, I need to say, he didn't do that in front of the kids, but he just I was went, say, he went. Yeah, he went, have you seen this? Flicked it up, pull it out, went, look at that. He went, do you want it? I went, you're all right, J JG. Like, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, get me out of the knob gags. I, I, must, uh, I must admit, uh, thankfully, yeah. he never showed me that one. No, I, joined him, <laughs> I joined him later in my career when I was coaching at Crawley for six months, and no, he still didn't show me that one, thankfully. <laughs> Ask him. <laughs> moving, moving back to a bit of uh, more serious um, talk. <laughs> um, yeah, follow that, Steve. Um, obviously, you, you've talked about the, the, the sort of the atmosphere that was, was in a changing room when you walk in there and having to stick up for yourself. Did you feel that there was a stigma that was attached to people that hadn't come through the system, um, and, the, and the players that were there were, you know, that had worked, felt that they had like a, a an air of superiority and you know you didn't deserve to be there at any point uh no i must admit i, I never felt that um i don't know whether, if other footballers have felt that coming from a um you know different background i think i think what they what they want to know is are you any good are you any good and how are you going to help me get get my bonus or how are you going to get us promoted or whatever it might be that's that's the crux of it you know if you're if, if i'm there to take their place which i was with a couple Obviously, um, you know, there's that um, there's that feeling that, okay, all right, you're going to prove yourself better than me or I've got to go in and think, yeah, I'm going to get your place. Keep, keep looking behind you because I'm coming, I'm after your place. And that's how you have to be. And I think as a footballer, most footballers come across, except that you're going to, you're going to be challenged for your place. That, you know, they, there's only 11 that can go out on the pitch. You know, and depending on what system you're playing, whether you're playing one up front or two up front or four in midfield fight, you've got, you've got to fight against the others to get your position. Um, yeah, you get on, but you know that you know that you know you're challenging each other for your for the position. 
And you, you soon did that at Portsmouth. I mean, you, the nickname that they come up with, Corporal Punishment. That might, <laughs> yeah. That might, yeah. That might link to the pre-season running and stuff like that. But then you went on to... Do you still hold the record for most goals in the season at Portsmouth? So obviously that helps you settle in if you're coming up with that way in a couple of years of joining your first professional club. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the first season I got 23 goals, ended up being the, the, the leading goal scorer for the, for the first season. So that was um, that was that was a great start. Um, and I think all the way through my career, having stepped up um, stepped up the leagues, non-league wise, and then I go from what's now the national league to the championship, essentially. So a jump of three 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 divisions. Um, I think I think once I got that first goal, then that belief really came through, and that really helped me. But, and that's and that's and that's how you've got to be in that in that dog eat dog world. You've got to believe in yourself. Um, otherwise, you know the the um, the characters that there are can assassinate you, and you can you can drop right down and, and drop right out of. Right out I mean, of let, let, let's let's not be diplomatic here, guy. Who was the knobheads? You know what I mean? Who, who was the people <laughs> that were riding your ass? Oh, you know, <laughs> army boys turned up. Let's see if he's any good. Who were the guys? Who were the people? I mean, come on, there uh, must have been a few. No, no, I don't think there really was. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I don't think there really was. Um, you know, there was some there was some big characters in the change room. I've already mentioned like Warren Aspinall, Martin Cole, um, you know, and some good players there as well. Uh, Steve Wigley, um, Mark Chamberlain, you know, uh, what a what a what a player to be with. And then and then later on in the years, uh, and one of the reasons I scored all those goals, those 47 goals in that season, was that Paul Walsh. You know, what a what a player. I mean, just. Just, just unbelievable player. Paul Walsh was. He scored a road this lad, didn't he? Before. Bloody hell, fire! I knew you were prolific for Portsmouth, but bloody hell. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get to the Wednesday now. So, yeah, um, so you are you, you're in Portsmouth. You're playing like like, like you said, Division Two in old money, and um, uh, you know, the championship as it, as it is now. And then, so you've gone from a Turkish looking fella that puts dreadlocks on that rings a bell. To all of a sudden turning up at Hillsborough, where there's a large overweight man from Wolverhampton who we call Tango. You, yeah, you must yeah, have I remember thought, him well. Fucking hell, what have I signed for here? You, I mean, you know what? The, the the real thing that stands out to me, as, as well as Tango in all sorts of weather, was I, I, I lived when I when I when I played for Villa. I lived to, I lived in Shenstone, which was just north of, uh, of Birmingham. And so when I when I moved to to Sheffield Wednesday, it was about an hour and a quarter to the training ground. So originally I, I sort of rented uh, near Chesterfield for six months and then decided, well, that's still taking me half an hour to get in. So for the sake of 45 minutes, I might as well set off earlier and go in. So every Saturday morning when I went, went along uh, the A38 up to Derby, up the M1, virtually at the same junction on the M1 was a couple in Sheffield Wednesday shirts to drive in the home game. Every Saturday home game, I, went, I, I drove past them and they were just doodling along. And I'm thinking... My God, some people are so dedicated, and that's and that's what you don't realise as a player, is how dedicated supporters are to their team. You really don't appreciate it as much as you fans do. Um, but that really hit home to me that these guys, uh, they were a young young couple. I don't know whether they're married or engaged. I never spoke to them, but every Saturday, every other Saturday, they were driving up that M1 to the to the to the game. They probably lived Derby or somewhere south of that. Incredible, I thought. Incredible. Amazing. Go on, they might be listening. They might be listening to that. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> My in, fact, in fact, Simon, it wasn't you, was it? <laughs> no, mate. No, no, it wasn't no. me. I used to go. No. I lived in Derbyshire, though. I used to go with it was my Simon. dad. 
<laughs> I'm not that old, by the you way. <laughs> I was actually in my twenties then when I when you joined us, mate. But um, I used to go with my dad and stand on stand and then sit on the cot. Um, and my dad's no longer with us. But I remember when he signed for us, and I, I just thought, well, oh, this is a right signing, absolute. Obviously, seen followed you what you'd done at Portsmouth and then to Villa, and and well, and and I, in my opinion, you, you were one of the better signings of the mid to late nineties. Um, You're only saying that because I'm on here with you. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I always actually thought I think, that you were never played in the right position for Wednesday. I don't. I, I mean, think, I'm sure um, you'll, you'll comment on this. Yeah, I think uh, I think what people appreciate uh, uh, you as fans is somebody that just like gives everything, mm-hmm. no matter who you play for. Um, I think I think you appreciate that, and I think uh, I think the team team I joined. Uh, when, when I first went there, because uh, 18 months earlier when Villa came in for me, Trevor Francis came in for me then, but my granddad had always been a Villa supporter. So that that's that one of the reasons I joined Villa was to make him happy and think, oh, well done, sir, another grandson. You know? But but Trevor Francis soon came back into me when I, when things weren't going well at Villa. Um, and I remember that I remember that first first game, uh, Everton away, um, and I got a couple of goals. And that, that then inspired me to think, yeah, I can make it in the Premier League again. You know, you, you just you then have to believe that you can. Uh, and I got a text from uh, from Dean Saunders actually that evening. Him saying, "I told the gaffer not to sell you." <laughs> <laughs> I told him. <laughs> but I, but well, I it, think my I think my time at Villa, although <laughs> although I didn't play much, I, w- I was I was training with internationals. Everyone who was an international, you know. Um, and then like I went to suddenly I'm, I'm 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 thinking I'm doing quite well here, but oh, I'm going to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, they've got some decent bloody. Yeah, they've got Chris Waddle, they've got Andy Sinton, they've got John Sheridan, they've got Chris Woods. This ain't a bad group either. If only you knew now what you knew then. <laughs> <laughs> Vic, do we have anything on Facebook? Do we have any questions? Do we, we have anybody? Do, yeah. Um, so we've got a question from Martin saying he's got very fond memories of you guy, and it was always seemed like a good friendship with Hursty on the pitch and off the pitch. Was this the case? Yeah, it was. Uh, we got on really well, Hurst. He had the sort of same sort of um, uh, sense of humour, I suppose. Uh, one of the best things I remember about Hursty was um, we decided, uh, and I know celebrations have gone a bit mad these days, but we decided to do some famous celebrations. Um, I didn't score many, so I couldn't really do them, but Hursty did try to do a couple. Uh, there was there was one uh, there was one the Bobby Charlton one where you just jump up in the air, sink your knees, and then scrape your hair over your head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was the Alan Shearer one, which just run away with your hand in the air. That, yeah, that, that was that one. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this, but um, there was a David Pleat one. Remember when? Oh remember when David Wait, Pleat survived at Luton? No, well, he, and he, but he was running onto the pitch. It was his run onto the pitch when he was hopping and skipping and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then I think I think I, I remember. I'm sure Hursty got his hundredth goal while I was playing with him, or something like that. Because we decided, I would, if he scored, I would bowl at him, and he'd hit it for a six and put his bat up for a hundred. So yeah, it was. Uh, there was some. There was some good times with Hursty. He was. Uh, he was. A, he was a good guy. Good. I, I, wow. What a, what a striker as well. I mean, such a shame his injuries got in the way of, of, of his ability, but. Yeah, he was a he was a, he was a. If only you knew a PT who could absolutely get him into peak fitness. I mean, <laughs> bloody hell, you know what I mean? And, well, it was uh, it was a psych as well to make him stop going out and drinking. I think that might have helped as well. Yeah, there, yeah, there was there <laughs> was that as well. But we, we try we try yeah. not to talk about that. <laughs> Vic, he do just, we have any more? 
Yeah, um, so DeLorean on Facebook called you a war dodger. He said he's ex signal, so you can say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair one. That's a fair one. Uh, Gary has asked, who was the best manager that you ever played for? Okay, I think, um, and this would probably be a bit controversial, at Sheffield Wednesday, it would have been David Pleat, because uh, any player, any player, yeah, I know Fudge is going to look like that. I think any, the, uh, can I put a context towards that? Yes, <laughs> yes, you can. You can. In fact, thanks a lot for joining us, ladies and gents. Thanks a lot. Well, I think, uh, didn't we have the highest finish with him? Uh, yeah. Oh, you were there? Probably, yeah. I think we did that. Oh, the yeah. seventh. Yeah. Yeah, that was pleat. Oh, my God. Yeah. See? All right. All right. Anyway, okay. look, you done me, you do me on the steps. Nothing in Nurses will put seventh in the Premier League. I, I, I've seen fourth in the Championship. That's it. That's <laughs> <laughs> I think, mm. listen, I think, uh, I think the reason I said that is because I played a lot of games in the David Pleat. So when you ask a player the favorite favorite manager, they're not going to pick one someone doesn't pick them. They're going to pick people who pick them more constantly. Uh, plus the fact with 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 David was that when when he when he came, I was a striker, and then I played right midfield. And although it took me three or four months to decide, well, if I don't play there, I ain't playing anywhere. I want to play. Um, I actually really enjoyed it there. Really enjoyed that playing there. Goals though, didn't it? That did. I was God. How old was I? I'd have been about ten, and that. I remember we'd signed this guy who scored like thousands of goals and then all of a sudden you were moved completely out of position and it just seemed, I, I thought it just seemed it was, unfair. Yeah, it was bizarre to me when he asked me because uh, I think I think from the boxing day until the end of the season when I first signed, I think, I think I scored 13, 12, 13 goals, something like that in half a season. So I was thinking, oh, I'm doing, this isn't too bad. Quite like it here. Um, but then, yeah, yeah, then, then, then David Pleat comes in and says, uh, "Want to play in midfield instead of Chris yeah. Waddle?" No, no. I was going to say, I'm just trying, trying to work out who played where when you were on there. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Well, well, I think, I think at the time, I think, I think that was when uh, Waddle moved on, Sinton moved on, Sheridan moved on. David Pleat was sort of moving those. Those type of players. I'm going to I'm going to try and get dirty on you. I'm sorry to cut you off there, guy, but there, there has right. been a there, we, we've had a few players come on and talk about about this type of thing. And David Pleat kind of inherited a team where, what's the term you used it earlier on? The with these huge personalities, uh, yeah. we, which which is you know code for they were a bit of a dick. You know what I mean? Now I, I assumed that Shares Waddle and Hursty had got their feet right under the table, and there was a. There was a, there's an animosity from some of the players we've spoken to, to towards David Pleat because he had to try and manage that. He had, he had to kind of manage these massive great players and these massive personalities. And I think he tried to get rid of them a little bit, didn't he? Well, I think he saw that they were towards the end of their professional career um, and he wanted to, wanted to get a younger team. I think that's what he was about, getting, getting a younger team. Um, so I don't know how I survived because I was the same age as them. <laughs> but but I think I think that's what it was. You know, your Chris was your John Sheridans, um, your your your, your Chrissy Waddles. Uh, they were they were and they were, you know, the, the the problem is that they are they were the big characters and they were great players. You know, mm -hmm. really good players. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, they were a bit of a dick, but they were justified essentially. Yeah, but I I never. Yeah, see, I, I don't know I don't know where that that comes from because I I got on with them. I got on with them really well, um, you know, and I don't think, um, yeah, yeah, some 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 good preseason 
a good certain one good preseason out of Holland. I remember well. He says so. Uh, no, I, and I and I speak to him now um, when I see him um, on the on the circuit. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I never, I never felt I didn't get on with him. But uh, yeah, there was certain. Yeah, I, th I think it was because he, he just wanted them out, and so they sort of they were big characters and they rebelled a bit against it a bit. You've teased us there, guy. What, what what happened in Holland? We want we want to know. <laughs> yeah, it was just a good preseason. That's all. It's all right. So, just tell me. So, <laughs> see, so you we obviously we've alluded to those big players that were going out, but obviously in your time there, we signed a couple of Italians as well, didn't we? Did we yeah, not sign was, uh, Carboni and Di Canio? Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a little bit later, wasn't it? I think I think yeah. first of all that it was it was more of a team of of. Uh, there was no, there was no real big names. I don't think everybody's working hard for everybody, um, and then, and then, and then I think David tried to improve that by bringing in first of all Carboni, um, fantastic player, great individual uh, player, but not so much of a team player. But I think with him and Di Canio, what the rest of us felt was that we'll we'll do the shift for you if you guys create and score goals. That that's a fair trade. We don't mind doing a shift for you if you do that. Um, and I suppose, um, yeah, I suppose, you know, you you judge yourself whether you think the team was successful with him in it or not in it. You 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 you're sort of not quite expanding there, guy, in regards to those guys coming in. <laughs> you can tell his media trained, the, the can't you? Tea change in the in, in the changing room when. When the two big flare Italians turned up with the raw pizza in the photograph, and yeah, it was. I, I mean, I saw a I saw a video recently of them two in. I think it was Benny's uh, Porsche, wasn't it? Oh Something yeah, like that's that. outside yeah. my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, they, yeah, they're zooming off, and that that was that was that was them in a way. They were just glam. They were like, uh, they were full of themselves, full of themselves. I remember at the time actually, like it's a bit like off topic but at the time obviously we were this big famous Premier League team and now I mean I sat next to Lucas Zhao so many times on the tram recently it's like ridiculous but at the time <laughs> it was like big news to like see people and I remember seeing like I mean I knew Waddle because I knew his daughter but seeing players in Meadow Hall and Di Canio and Carboni always walked around like David Beckham like you would see like yourself or like you'd see Mark Pembridge in game or stuff yeah, like that. And yeah, it was very, yeah. very just normal people that they really walked around like there was like paparazzi. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> I remember seeing Vinny Carboni and just nearly dying. And then I met Di Canio while he was buying a camera. So that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, move, moving on from that really quickly. With you. <laughs> We've got a load of people in Sheffield now Googling on Pornhub. Paolo Di Canio hidden camera. That's what's that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, we'll move on from that quick. Steve, get us out the Pornhub hole quick. I keep, I keep coming to you. I know, we, I know we've gone, um, we've talked about the Italian lads, but um, there were a couple of others that I think you were there at the time, uh, St uh, Stefanovic and Kovacevic, that oh, yeah. Yeah. On, and, you know, for whatever reason, didn't seem to click. And then it, the one that will always stick with me is Kovacevic. Play Juventus, oh. and all <laughs> right. of a sudden becomes a Champions League superstar, and, and yeah, not quite sure what, yeah. what it was, what didn't click. <clears throat> was there something not right there? Well, I think it was. It wasn't it their first move to this country, to a foreign yeah. country? Yeah, you know, yeah. and they're they're like thousands of miles away from you know, and there's there's the two of them, and I'm not quite sure whether the two of them actually got on either. 
I don't, I don't, I don't remember them being the best of buddies. So I don't were, think... they from, were they Yugoslavian? At the yeah, time? they were Yugoslavian. Yeah. So one was probably yeah. Slavak and was probably yeah, probably absolutely yeah. hated each other. Yeah. I've never thought of that. I hadn't. I hadn't. I hadn't. Absolutely blow my mind. You go, yeah, we've got these two Yugoslavs in. They're probably mates. That's all. I... <laughs> that's, that's, a typ- yeah, you're right. that's a typical English thing. Oh, they're from yeah, Yugoslavia. Yeah. They'll love each yeah. other. They'll know each other. They'll yeah. know each other. Yeah. I bet. I bet they know their mums. Each mums and dads. I bet the family know each other. Though, isn't it? We we assume that they've come across together and they're like the best of mates and they you know they've come come through together and they know each other. But in actual fact, there's, there's a chance that they don't know anything about yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. The, the outstanding one thing I remember about uh, Dayan was uh, the equaliser at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. In the two-two, because yeah. I, I remember we were two-nil down, and Rude Hullet took the piss. Yeah, he was like having a go at us, saying you lot of crap and that sort of stuff. And then when when we drew that, when we got the equaliser, wow. Well, oh, bet that was awesome, wasn't it? it? Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. I, I hope he did. Yeah, <laughs> I've been done that to be fair. Yeah. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ben, do you have any more questions? Because I know I know you've done your homework, pal. Because I know you. I'm, we're going from memory here, and I know this is something you're going to have to research, mate. Ben's also uh, training to be a journalist, so we like to throw him in at the deep end. I'm not a typical journalist. I I hate that. I, no, forget that. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking on uh, Facebook for these. Paul Burton has said best player to play with at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I think I think Mark Pembridge. I think Mark Pembridge. Uh, I think he was he was he was um, Captain Caveman to us. He was uh, tenacious. He was he was a good footballer, good footballer, uh, good football brain on him. Um, yeah, he'd be he'd, be, he'd probably be my favourite one to play with for a different reason. You then you then got to look at you got to look at Decanio. I mean, he was his ability was 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 frightening. You got to look at Chris Waddle, John Sheridan. You know, God, their, you their played ability. with some absolute heroes, didn't you? I did, absolutely. I was so, I was so lucky. I'm just, I'm just thinking the players you played with through my teenage years. I'm like, Jesus, you're just reeling them off of people you've worked with. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is mental. Sorry, Ben. What else have we got on Facebook, pal? Um, Martin Beebe, favourite goal for Wednesday? Oh, yeah, I think it would have to be the header against uh, Aston Villa. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was probably probably my favourite. Yeah. Right, that game. You know that weird bit at the side of the cop where Tango stands now. Corner cop. Yeah. Yeah, that corner cop thing. That's, ships, that's... ships nest or something. Yeah, whatever it's bloody called. Yeah. I was there, and that was the first that was the first game of the season at home, and it was the first time that uh, Gareth Southgate played after missing the penalty after you were in 96. Ah, uh, yes, yes, it oh. was. Yeah, it was. And it's, yeah. All, and it's also the game in which Richie Humphreys scored one of the yes. best yeah. goals I've ever seen yeah. in my life. His little yeah. tapping. Yeah, yeah, tapping. Tapping top, <laughs> top bins at Christ knows that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, was that, I was that, that the one. season that we won the first four and ended up top of the league, or was that the year before? No, no it, could, no, it could have been. It could have been that year, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was. I think, yeah, I think it was. We ended up the fourth game was Leicester, wasn't it, on Sky, and, and Humphreys hit a belter again. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he left everybody at the halfway line. And then I don't think we lost until we played Chelsea, actually, if I remember rightly, when they had that grey course kit. Listen to us reminiscing. reminiscing oh, dear, it's like an old folks home. You can tell the age difference now because I've tuned out. I remember the woman about it. But you can tell the next 10 years on me now. Now, now Guy, I've, I've got to come back to you on this one because I, I, feel, I feel it's pertinent. Now, there were two players, and you, you being one of them, during that era of um, of being of two FA Cup, two, two Cup finals, the league and the FA Cup, to relegation. There, there were two players that I thought were massively underused, and you were one of them. The other one was Mark de Greiser. And, and I feel like, I, is it because you, you weren't Hurst, Waddle and Sheridan, which, he, which is why you didn't get get enough of that game time or, or or was it David Pleat trying to absolutely restart something and start from fresh and then Danny Wilson coming in and changing the vibe? Yeah, I think, I think that's what it was. I think probably that's what it was. Uh, with David Pleat, I think that was it two and a half years he was there, something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think for t- probably two of those seasons, I was, I was in his team. Um, <laughs> and the only bit I, when I wasn't was when he was trying to convince me to, to, to come out of playing a striker and go to midfield. Um, but then, I was what was I then? I was 33, 34 then. So I was getting on. I still felt I was fit, still felt I could play. But then you had the change of managers. Danny Wilson came in, Big Ron came in. Um, you know, so I think um I think that's where my my um my appearances dropped off through that through that period is 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 new managers and they decide, you know, they want different players in. So t- I remember I remember Nicholas Nicholas Alexanderson coming in. Big Ron signed him, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, yeah, I've got a tough battle on my hands here. <laughs> but you don't seem bitter about it at all. Like, if this was me now, and this was even, well, not this podcast, because I'd do alt to get a week off, but if that was in my job now, I'd be so resentful if, like, just that somebody took those last few years of glory away from me, I think. I, I think it's I just, 20 years. It's 20 years. So it it's, is, it's, it's, it's dissipated it is. a bit. <laughs> I think because I was like 10, 11, I was playing as a striker as well in the, like Sheffield girls and stuff like that. I think to me, it was just a massive deal that you just got moved out of position. I think that just threw me completely. And that was my one lasting memory. Like my mum was here last week. Um, she's in my bubble. And she was saying like, oh, who have you got on the podcast next? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, Garrett, and she went, oh, I don't know if I, oh, all I do, he scored against so-and-so and so-and-so. And I was like, you must remember, I used to rant about this all the time. And I think I'm more bothered than you. So you can live happily knowing that for 20 years, I've carried your fitness <laughs> on my shoulders. Oh, I appreciate that. That's <laughs> too short. Move on. <laughs> just for what you mentioned about Ron Atkinson, I don't know how much you actually played under Ron Atkinson, but what was he like? Because we, we guess that we've had on previously, there's been, been some decent stories. Yeah, no, he's um, yeah. Well, he he was the one that signed me for for Aston Villa. So um, it was actually my when he got when he when I was at Aston Villa and he got sacked. Um, I, w- I it was my birthday, and I'd arranged to go out with a load of players for my birthday, and the press got hold of it and thought we were celebrating the fact that the big Ron had been sacked. <laughs> <laughs> so which which wasn't the case at all. Um, and then obviously he comes into Sheffield Wednesday for me having known him from Aston Villa where I hardly played. So I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to be uh, number one on the team sheet. That's for sure. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of stories about big Ron, isn't there? 
Um, right, let me give you one. I know where we're going with this, and, I, and I'm going to jump right to the end because Ben's Ben's done an absolute treat of a segue right there. So um, we've had a number of players on in in, in the past that, that have have played under Witter, played under uh, Big Ron the first time round and the second time round. And there was a point where you'd be training, and he would uh, and he would put on the black pin liner for some reason. Uh, I, I assume it's like, like Bradley Cooper in that movie with Jennifer Lawrence. You know, what I, mean? I, I, I don't. He's put on a black bin liner. That 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 was a rumor, and um, and there'd be players like John Newsom, and there'd be players such as uh, Nigel Pearson, who wanted to smash his brains in once he'd put his shorts on and his boots on while he was coming in the small side of game at the end of training. Now, we want to know who were the players that wanted to kick kick his head in. <laughs> During that small side of game, and were you one of them? Uh, no, I wasn't one of them. But, but you must have been aware, the, though, that that well, happened, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was there when it did happen. And you mentioned <laughs> one of them there. You mentioned, Tell us about I'm that. Sure, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're, surely John talked to you about it a couple of weeks ago. John Newsom must have done when he smashed him. That was, <laughs> that was just hilarious. But I to be more fair, about Nigel I smashing him. We didn't actually oh, say about him doing it. Oh, he smashed him. Yeah, he John, John Newsom's. Right? <laughs> he alluded to it. Yeah, yeah, but he did smash him. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he'd been dropped, wasn't playing, so he felt there was a fifty. Well, it was probably a, a seventy thirty in in uh, in Big Ron's favour. You missed a fine detail out there. Oh, he, I'm excited. To, John, uh, not John, uh, Big Ron. Uh, he'd get his bin liner on. Um, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd make sure he was on the wing somewhere, but he also, when he was getting ready, his shorts would be rolled right up. So he's not, he's, he's like, his roll is his waist down and he'd roll the bottom of the shorts up so he could have most leg space going. So he didn't, I, don't, I think because he didn't want to stop him from running. It might be a bit tight, so he didn't want to stop it from running. But, an image. but he's, but John Newsom's must have, must have, must have flown in from 20 yards away. And cleaned out Big Ron, but to be well, fair to Big Ron, it's really wholesome image now as well. <laughs> but to be fair to Big Ron, he got straight back up and went, "Don't do that on a Saturday, do you?" <laughs> <laughs> that was my best Big Ron impression, by the way. I don't know if that was good. Yeah. I, I really I was in the room. <laughs> can, can I ask, guy? Because obviously you were there in David Pleat years and we were talking about being top of the league after so many games but I also remember a season under David Pleat where we got absolutely smashed by Blackburn Rovers, Newcastle, Arsenal Um, and we signed a a wing who was French player of the year from Marseille called Patrick Blondo I think seems to remember. Left why did we sign? Why did we sign somebody who was so who'd won French Player of the Year and he played in the Premiership? He was absolutely shit. What happened there? Well, he played. He, he was left back, wasn't he? That's that's yeah. where he, that's where yeah. he played. Yeah. I, I, who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> he just, I suppose he just weren't it, better than Ian Nolan. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> no. Well, Nolan could play left, right, left back or right back, couldn't Mate. he? Didn't matter where he went. Or Lee Briscoe. Lee Briscoe with the energy he had. Yeah. You know, getting forward. Because yeah. I went, I went on a, I was looking at a website yesterday and doing a bit of research about yourself to remind myself because I'm getting a bit old now, and <laughs> and it said like the highlights. It was showing all these highlights about Sheffield Wednesday. And it was the Blackburn game, the hammering by Blackburn. It was the hammering by Newcastle. It was the hammering by Arsenal. And I, and and I'm thinking, and I think there was one game where we beat Le- when we beat Leeds was it six one or something like that. 
and, and and that was it. And I was just thinking, oh God, I remember those games. I remember watching Didn't the Blackburn game. You get the only goal in seven-one thumping at Norwich as well, wasn't that? Yeah. Not not Man United. Man United. Uh, yeah, we lost five six, one, six six one Man United. Uh, in fact, um, we might go on to it later, but I, I work for the FA now, and I'm I'm part of the pro license uh, course. And uh, Peter Smichael was on it not so long ago, and I actually showed in that video of me going through him. <laughs> scoring, that, scoring that one goal. <laughs> I just remember seeing it on. I think Sky was fairly Sky was fairly new at that time. Didn't so. he? Didn't he take both the Italians off that game at Man United at half time? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, you think can't he remember. might have done. I know you, he took me. He took me off of Blackburn when we were getting dicked. Oh God, that was embarrassing. <laughs> were you at Wednesday when um, Carboni refused to play at Southampton? Were you playing? No. 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 Because I thought it'd be interesting if you had a been in regards to Akintan. He's like, hmm. I tell you what it is. I tell you what it is, guy. We 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 have a, a selection of you guys on, and you all give us a little piece of a story every now and again. And by the end of it, I've got this huge Bayer esque tapestry of what went off at Sheffield Wednesday between 1994 and 2000. Everyone and knows the Carboni story, though. It's Hirsty's like after dinner speech, isn't it? Every time. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that one, but hey ho. Yeah. <laughs> John, John Newsom told us all about it, but I don't think I think it was Matt Amshaw actually told us all about it, and he, he didn't know much what we're going off. Now, um, <laughs> a guy like when you when you went as you moved on as you as you've gone through, you must have seen some players at Sheffield Wednesday and thought, "How are we doing so shit?" For lack of a better term, you must have thought, "We've got some bloody good players here." What 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 was what was the atmosphere like? I, I don't want to try and get under the skin of uh, the David Pleat and Danny Wilson era. Like, you must have thought, is it, was it a, an atmosphere issue? Uh, I, I, I think if if you know the answer to that, you'd be top of the league, won't you? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer. Well, you I should think... see my game of football manager right now, guy. To be, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on it Champions League. <laughs> I think I think with the with the with the addition of uh, what you have in the social media now, people people understand and, and get to know a lot more what's happening at football clubs. Um, whereas whereas before, you know, everything was had to be written in the press. You know, little snippets wouldn't come out. So players being unhappy, you hear about that. You know, most of the time now, when it happens, you don't you didn't hear about it then. Um, and personal circumstances are, you know, when you're not in the team, you're not happy, of course. And if there's if there's big names that are not in the team. Then they can they can create trouble, you know they can they can create trouble. I know I know players that have, you know it was in the it was in the old days where you could actually if you weren't playing you play in the reserves. That that I don't know where that's gone now, but that doesn't happen anymore. But but I, I remember a couple of players bringing their agents and refusing to play in reserve games, you know because they felt they you know they was beneath them. Wow. So you know I don't I don't think um, you know that that doesn't create create a good harmony and and and. And teams, team spirit is is huge. And when you get when you get um, when you do get people like Decanio and Carboni in who who um, don't really enter the spirit of everybody else, they're sort of not loners, but they're all about themselves. That that can that can create real problems in the dressing room. There was a there was a there was something that Matt Amshaw told us about about splitting the home changing room into two. And there was the English lads and essentially the foreign lads, and that that's kind of how it divided itself. Is that the, uh, is that something well, you the, were around for? The training ground was, 
the is that what it was? was yeah, yeah I, I think it was because it wasn't you weren't possible to have one big change room in the in the portal cabin, so you had to have little their yeah, little little ones. Um, and I can't actually I can't actually remember who who decided to go where in those, whether it was just left up to us or whether it was English, Southern, Northern, Welsh in one, Irish in another, and all the other foreigners in the other one. <laughs> so, sounds like Boris's lockdown plan, to be honest. <laughs> Get me out of this political hole. I'm just thinking, Guy, obviously these are special sort of podcasts for us. These are like a different thing that we've tried to do during lockdown. Thanks to our sponsor at Michael Constantine Wealth Management Fudge. Um, so <laughs> just, just to get that one in there. Um, but obviously we review the games every week, hence the name. Um, and we, I, I, I don't want to toot our own horn, but you know, average quite a lot of downloads over a season. Um, do you think that if this sort of thing is around... <laughs> uh, you mentioned about social media and stuff like that. Do you think that you would have listened to something like this as a player, or would you have just avoided it completely? To like, do players listen to football <laughs> heaven? All it is is we've had a review on our iTunes uh, in the last couple of days from someone with the exact same surname and initials as our first team keeper, who's asked us to get rid of Dan Fudge. So I just wondered if it was <laughs> something that. <laughs> It's obviously not an issue for Dan at all, but I just wondered, like, would it players, be something in general? Players are delicate. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't say anything about them unless it's positive. They're delicate people, delicate people. You can't, you can't have a problem with them. You can't moan about them unless, uh, unless you. Um, I, I do a bit of commentary now for the Pompey game, so I actually part of that. What I'm really conscious of doing is if, if you talk about a player and you're saying they're not doing something, say what they're good at as well. Mm -hmm. Um, because they're all good at something. Just, but, uh... just a quick one, um, <laughs> just to be a little bit serious about things. Um, obviously, you, you've got an affinity with Portsmouth, and they've had how can we put this? But they've had some dark times, haven't they? And obviously, us as, as, as Wednesday fans at the moment are, are going through an extended period where you know we, we've had the ups, not quite the ups of Portsmouth going to an FA Cup final or anything like that, but. Um, you know, do you do you see sort of similarities in the way that that club has been run, and you know, is it is it is it something that translates across teams, or is it you know, when when teams aren't doing well, is it specific to that club and the you know, the way that things aren't working well, or? Yeah, I, I have no doubt that um, that things off the pitch can affect players, especially especially when they start affecting players' wages, for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but on top of that is is also. Um, Players, players, players want to win, and they want to know how you're going to help us win. To to whether it's the manager, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's another player, whether it's whether it's the board, whether it's the owner. So if if players see that actually there's not much investment coming here and we're not improving the squad much, it, it can affect them. Definitely affect them. I mean, I was you know I was in Portsmouth when we went through two two administrations, and that just destroys people. Absolutely destroys people. Um, so you know, I think uh, I think. I think what you what you've got to have at, at times, and this is where managers got to be really careful, is you've got to bring in the right character of player. That that if you're in this this sort of situation where there's not much investment um, and things are always being promised, that you've got players that don't don't worry too much about that sort of thing. Good characters, fill fill your team with good characters. They might not get you promoted, but you're not going to be in trouble. 
Jesus, Steve, that's a good bloody question. Christ, I was just sat here doing knob gags. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> lead, 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 carrying on from that then, Guy, because obviously you're, you're involved with the FA and you're getting involved. You look at a lot of football teams and you see a lot of football teams. One thing we discussed the other week was our we haven't got a manager at the moment, as you may as you may know. Um, was are you free, the, Guy? Have you, have, you, have you signed on yet? Or, you have, know you, I mean? have you seen my win ratio with Portsmouth? <laughs> <laughs> Well, what I was, was, was going to ask you is, and he led into that in regards to what's happening in the background, etc. <clears throat> discussed it in detail last week was with Paul Cook's being quite heavily linked with Wednesday. But then he was interviewed last week by, um, I think, Talk Sport. And one of the issues he had was the fact that if he, he alluded to the fact if he was going to work for Sheffield Wednesday, he wouldn't actually be able to have any sort of link into signing players, etc. Now, and that puts him off. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But and this has been going on for quite some time at, at Sheffield Wednesday since our new chairman came in. Have you had? Have you got experience of that happening at other clubs and how that works? Or and and what's your opinion in regards to that? Should it be carte blanche manager decision, or should there be other people involved in the recruitment of players? Yeah, I think uh, I think football's changing, isn't it? With this, with the role of the technical director. Um, I know, I know where it works best. Uh, obviously, uh, being the FA, um, uh, know Dan Ashworth fairly well at Brighton, uh, and I know, and I know the way they recruit is um, is Graham Potter's involved in the recruitment, um, but they let him know what sort of they want to know what type of player he wants, and then they'll go and find him, and they'll bring the players to him. Right. Um, so instead of instead of them saying, right, here's a player we're going to sign him, there 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 has to be if you know. If, if, if you're if you're the manager and you want to you know your your job's on the line if you don't win so as we've just seen today Surely that's, the, that's the best way of doing it right you've you've got these people on you know, these people on the sideline going hey this right back shite hey uh, boss we need a right back well uh, I've got your left midfielder like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, good, good clubs good clubs if they're if they're good at their talent identification will have three players in every position ready to go to, recruitment-wise. So uh, to, to be fair, Guy, you were three positions all at once. So I, th I think you were in about three <laughs> lists when you were at the Wednesday. I mean, I mean, Steve's nodding there at your at your point there. I mean, you know, what, what team is it you're at, Steve Dronfield? Uh, long gone. I've set up a team at Renishaw now. Renishaw, um, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's at yeah. Renishaw. So there's clearly an issue between the director of football and Steve there. So uh, I am the director of football. <laughs> We'll pull at that thread later on. <laughs> ben, get Steve out of trouble for me quick. No, only really thing I was going to ask about is what you're doing now with the FA. I know Simon asked you like a specific question, but what is it? Is it something like coaching development or something? Yeah, so uh, so I leave the UEFA Pro license. So uh, that's the that's your level five award. So you need that that qualification to be a manager in the uh, in the in the Premier League. Um, most they've all got it. Um, so, but but. Um, you know, recently we've had uh, Steve Jarrett, Frank, uh, Frank Lampard come through. John Terry's on at the moment. So you know, you, you you're trying to get you're trying to get players. What what we want to do is get English coaches to the top of the game. That's what we want to do. Um, so I lead the pro license. It's an 18 month program uh, where we take uh, around about 24 coaches over the 18 months through their through their qualification, and, and they'll be working in the game at the time. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, and listen, it's a it's a great job in football. I talk football every day, which is what I've always done. Um, but I don't have to win every game. 
you know, I can, I can, if, if I do, a, if I do a decent enough job, I'll keep my job. And there's lots of managers out there that have done a decent job, but they've found themselves losing three in a row and they, they're off. All right. I'm, I'm going to find I'm, that quite a strange sort of paradox then at the moment, obviously bringing through like Frank Lampard, can't remember who he's managed. Um, but a few other of these like newer players that, sorry, it's not like we're bitter about Derby County. Um, that there are these players now, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast recently, especially when we signed like the likes of Steve Bruce and, you know, Tony Pulis, probably the last of the generation of those managers that Wednesday are going to have. We, we tried Gary Monk, it didn't work, you know, but these sort of players now are starting to come through and be the next generation of managers. But obviously, you've played under that other generation of managers. Is there a stark contrast in how they behave, how they see the game, how they sort of want to be man managers as opposed to team managers it just because obviously there's such yeah. a difference between Ron Atkinson and John Terry <laughs> well, oh, well I mean maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> bloody hell that's actual journalism and actual questions <laughs> stay tuned kids it's all it's all going to be serious for me <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. well it's certainly certainly times have changed haven't they because you just talked about um you know, other people doing the recruitment for the manager and technical directors in, in, in big Ron's days and David Pleat's days and, you know, times gone by, all these, these big managers from before, they did all that. The manager was the manager of the football club, not just the football team. But it's changed now. The, the money in the game is ridiculous now. And, and so, you know, there's more things for, for, for people to do and more people to do them. Um, so, you know, you'll have, you'll have a recruitment department, I expect, at Sheffield now, that Sheffield Wednesday, that's, you know, five or six deep, I would think whether any good or not is another, another question, but, but they'll be there. They'll be there for sure. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, th I think what Vic's pulling the thread of guy is, is that you've got, you know, you, you had, you, you've played for John Gregory, Ron Atkinson, David Pleat. And, and these are guys what walk Jim in Smith. and go, Jim bloody Smith. Wow. Right. And, and you walk in and these are guys that go, I'm in fucking charge. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I am, I am in charge. And then now, through that, through that new way of the way that football managers are processed, you've got you've got people like Gary Monk, and I think Stuart Pearce was probably one of the first ones of it, one of those ex-players from from that era to start managing, and and you have to kind of warn them and go, you know, you're going to get fired in a in a season or two. Uh, don't worry about it. You, you know what I mean? Do, do you have to warn them about that, or do you have to kind of go, hey, that's football? Do, do, you know what I mean? That, that must be a difficult thing for you to try and go, this was then, this is now. Did you yeah, have to learn what, that? Yeah, on the course, what we try and do is prepare them for every situation. So, uh, you know, I don't think people are stupid enough to know that their job's on the line if they've not got good results. That's that's it. But how do you buy yourself that a bit more time? And it's not just at the time you do that. It's throughout your relationship with whoever the owner is or the technical director is, the board, whatever it might be. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I made myself and I learned hugely from was when I got appointed at Portsmouth as the manager, um, the board, the board were fantastic. They just take, they just saved the club. You know, they'd all put in, the, you know, six figure sums and save the club. So uh, everybody was learning at the same time. But one of the things they wanted me to do was get a senior figure in that could, they could relate to like sort of like a David Pleat or a Ron Atkinson or something like that. that could How sit does that with, make you feel? No, well, exactly. I was like that. Well, actually, I, I think I know the game. 
I've got, I've got, uh, I pointed at Adam McLaughlin as my my assistant. He knows the game. He's an ex-international. He's played at some decent clubs and played, you know, 15, 20 years in the game. So I think we know the game. Um, and I said, no, I didn't want to do it. But I think that was one of the things that let me down. I didn't have that by myself some time when the when the water's got a bit choppy, if you like. Mm-hmm. That might have given me just a couple extra games to get those couple of wins that might have kept me going in the in the in the in the position. So I think one of the things we talk about is making sure you think ahead about what's around the corner. And are you doing the right things now to be able for you to think not not necessarily survive the sack, but negate it in some way, whereas you can steer away from it? Hey, listen, at the end of the day, you've got to win games, as we've just seen with Neil Harris. Nothing, nothing stops you. You know, it might be bad luck, it might be whatever, but you've got to win games. Nothing, nothing will replace that. Do you ever feel but like you're is, going to get back in the management game? I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot of. Uh, a lot of stress on the family, um, especially, I suppose, living in Portsmouth as well. You know, that was every day, you know, things are happening. So, um, but no, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing now. Really happy. Guy, can I ask, going back to Wednesday, playing at Wednesday, you you played uh, during the, the heady 90s. You played huge expectations at Hillsborough, you know, we'd... We won the League Cup. We'd been at Wembley God knows how many times. We'd played in Europe. What was it like walking out? Because none of us will be able to ever, ever experience this. Ben might one day if he becomes a professional goalkeeper. But not the rest of us will have never been walked out in front of a full Hillsborough. I've sat there. I've sat on the cop. I've stood on the cop. You know, what is it like to stand there in the centre circle, your striker, so you stood right in the centre, surrounded on three sides by a full Rocky and Hillsborough? What does it do? What is it? How do you feel? What does it go? What goes through your, your head and your body, etc., when that happens? Yeah, no, it's tingling. It is tingling, absolutely. And it, and it, it well, it used to drive me, you know, it used to, used to um, drive me to, to, to give everything. Um, <laughs> You know, you know, funnily enough, and I thought this about this a, a lot um, when 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 I knew I was coming on here. You don't, you don't, you don't so much hear the the big chance that everybody's singing when it goes silent. You hear that one person, and there was always a person as I came out of the tunnel on the right hand side. I hope it's none of you six, five. In fact, there's only five of you. Obviously, <laughs> it might have been me telling myself, but there was always one person. Bloody hell, Whitnam! You playing again? How much are you playing, Pete? Always when the, when the, when it went silent, I could always hear that one person. But that just might have made me even more. That just might have made me more. Yeah, actually, all right. So, so let's 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 the talk roar, about the roar uh, for a goal. You can't beat you can't beat a roar for oh, a goal. Yeah, that 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 sound difference when it hits the back of the net and you hear the onion bag rattle and then that sound that comes across the pitch is yeah it's something incredible but you know you as soon as i announced in our uh, in our group chat that you you were going to come on i wrote guy whittingham's coming on and steve wrote ole now when you hear that that chant that chant that you had and, and i'll not lie the last few years the last god 15 years nobody's really had a chant for a player, like, you know, you've got Waddle Wonderland, you know, you've got number one is David Erst, number two is David Erst, and then yeah. no, actually, number two was Roland Nilsson, and number three was what David Erst. I've got one for you, and I hope you can sing it, right? I've got a, uh, one of the clubs I go into is, is 
Chelsea. Uh, but one of the one of the 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 foundation phase league coach is a guy called Paul Waldron, and he's a massive Wednesday fan. Really, he's a massive Wednesday fan, and he sang to me the other day. The Emerson Tom song. Emerson Tom. Emerson Tom. Emerson Tom. Wow. But I, mean, I was I mean, heartbroken when he went to Sunderland. Not only because he went to Sunderland, but then he played in red and white stripes. Oh, I like, like when Hurst he went to Southampton. Red's the worst colour. Any any red and white stripe is disgusting. <laughs> oh, go Whittingham, you're back there on that pedestal. <laughs> yeah, there you are. They are wits. But I mean, like, to, to listen to 40,000 people singing the old late guy Whittingham song and in that god awful fucking accent we've all got as well, would you? You know, the way we all say it. What song is it? What song is it? Going, what the fuck? I mean, that Ben speaks it every day. That's how we speak. Like, you know, I don't know what song it is for. You're song, not a professional song singer. Right. So, so when, when Guy would score or or do a, one of his mazy dribbles because he was super fit, we'd go, Holy Guy Whittingham! Holy Guy! And, and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's how I sang it back in the time. <laughs> if you can imagine that face, Guy, with a centre part in. Um, <laughs> and highlights. Yeah, the, the, the highlights went to And, his, and his, his nose was different as well. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve had a flat top then. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, I wasn't grey. Yeah, yes, yeah. Start, say I don't care. But I mean, you must be thinking like, what the fucking hell club have I signed for? This is mental. <laughs> like, well, how, how does that make you feel? Because the, the, there's a lot of chat, obviously, because because COVID and all the rest of it about talking about the fans and how much they make a difference to 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 the the experience. You know, you had a song. You had a you you had something that we won't use for another player. You know what I mean? That that must be something special, right? Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, of course. I think um, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been, like I said earlier, I've been fortunate. The clubs I've been to, I've scored goals, and there, there's always there's some sort of chant going up from 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 that point of view. When you when you score the goals, it's uh, yeah, it's. I, I think, I think, unfortunately, you have to experience it to know, to to feel to feel it. Um, you know, I think it's yeah. There's 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 the, it's the feeling of scoring a goal. And then it's what comes afterwards. You know, I, I tell you what, I, I, I think my my favourite bit about it is that, like, you know, you mentioned earlier about your your pre-practice routines with Ersty, about when we score, we're going to this, and then when we score, we're this. And your most iconic picture for Sheffield Wednesday, when you, when you even when you Google it, is you just losing your shit going... Was that Liverpool away? Yeah. When Mark Pembridge has had a shot and I've deflected it into the goal. <laughs> well, no. It was that. What what I heard I, I, it was was you you, you <laughs> smashed it top bins on a on a decent cross from Pembo like you know what I mean? Been, there was there was the Newcastle one as well Newcastle away where the uh, thing is Watson's tried to head it back and I've intercepted it and beaten uh, being the keeper and they've all chased me and I think it was um, uh, who's the guy from Holland had a fantastic name. Um, is it trustful? trustful, yeah, trustful. trustful. I like yeah. trustful. Yeah. yeah, he's actually he's actually tripped me up in the end to stop me, and I've just led on the floor going like that because I've scored again. <laughs> I was going to say Vim Yonk then, but I don't think he ever played, did he? He was always no. injured. <laughs> um, he came Gavin, what, about the side, what about the sideburns then, mate? Because you, you had some tremendous sideburns <laughs> when you played for Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I went through a phase where I grew my hair a little bit. Yeah, it's n- not the best. Wasn't the best look. 
I, I know I know somebody at one of our other uh, uh, podcasters, Dave, who is not who's working today. He the first thing he said is ask him about his sideburns because they did become quite a, a feature at one point. Oh, everybody! Really? Had to... I was oh, I wasn't aware of that. Guys, yeah. they, they were like a mainstay of the nineties. I, I swear to God, right? I went to my mum because I like couldn't... that guy. Like yeah, they, were like, they were like the way my mic sits around my face right now. And and I had long hair, and I, and I remember saying to my mum, Mum, can I have a perm like Guy Whitting? <laughs> and, and, and I, I had my crusts as a kid. Is that, is that what it were, you see? Yeah. <laughs> That's a Yorkshire thing. Kelly <laughs> and Crust. Vic, do we have any more on Facebook before we wrap this up? We've, we've done an hour. We've taken up all of his life here. No, not particularly. I think everyone's just commenting that they're enjoying it and just agreeing with stuff. There's no particular questions. So, Guy, before I wrap this up, who hit Ron Atkinson the hardest? Was it John Newsom <laughs> or Nigel Pearson? Well, I wasn't there when Nigel Pearson did it, but I, I would imagine it'd be Nigel Pearson. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't see anybody else hit him harder than Nigel Pearson. And I still wouldn't mess with him now. He could still hit him probably just as hard now. Do you still follow us, Guy? Like, do you still like look out at the scores and stuff like that? Yeah. Like, what do you think of? <laughs> I don't want to say the current situation because I think. Well, you know what? You know what? For, I think I, I've not been back to the club, and I've it, always been football. You're teaming to do the fifty-fifty draw out of the top bowler <laughs> machine. Christ. That is. I've, always, I've been commentating for Portsmouth on and off now since about two thousand and eight. And never been in the same league. And I'm free. I'm, I'm hoping you survive in the championship this, this year because Portsmouth will hopefully get promotion. I can come up. Oh, you know, guy, I well, lived in Southampton. I'm for one week. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in Southampton for 15 now, years. And, and every time I go up, I, I could have given you a lift. But I'll tell you what, listen, <laughs> we'll chat offline about it. Uh, right. This has been amazing. Guy, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to stop it on Facebook right now. Thank you a lot for joining us on Facebook. Uh, this has been a, a Wednesday week. Join us next week for um, Stephen Bywater telling us about um, rice pudding with a toothbrush. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a thing. You'll find out all about it then. See you later. Bye-bye. The Wednesday week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points back of the net. Lubosh! Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.